Well, good morning, church family. Uh, my name is Pastor Eric. I'm glad that you're here this morning. Um, I like chocolate and fishing, uh, and I have two granddaughters, um, and I'm just kidding. I'm not Pastor Eric. He has more gray hair. I, uh, my name is Tim, and uh, my name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, gray hair is wisdom. That was, that was, he's wiser than me. Um, and so, uh, my name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, Pastor Eric is uh, gone this week. Uh, he probably is fishing. He probably is eating chocolate. Uh, and he will be back next week. At least that's what I'm saying now. I'm pretty sure. Uh, and so, this week, uh, we are going to be in James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. If you haven't been here before and this is your first time or it's been a while, uh, would you guys come back next week? Uh, school is kicking off. It is a great time to start in the new year of uh, getting back to church or coming to church. And we're going to learn why today, James chapter 1, verse 19 through 27 is where will be, uh, we've been going through the series on uh, the Bible, what the Bible is, why we have the Bible, what's in the Bible. And today we're going to be learning this truth about the Bible and how it relates to us as Christians. So if you uh, find yourself in James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27, search it on your phone, open it in an app, uh, open a, a physical copy if you have one. And today we will be learning that those who follow Christ welcome God's word, look like Christ, and act like Christ. So now you guys can tune out and uh, start to see that tomorrow a new chicken sandwich will be released at Chick-fil-A along with a caramel crunch milkshake, which means we're doing Chick-fil-A tomorrow night for dinner. And so uh, if you don't want to listen to the rest of it, just write that down uh, and then do whatever it is you do. But if you want to know why James chapter 1 verse 19 through 27 says that, uh, just listen along as we roll through this text. I haven't always been a pastor. Uh, in fact, uh, I was in the military for a while, uh, and I, can, I had a job that I had the chance of being face-to-face -face with uh, some of the uh, most uh, terrifying, uh, uh, intimidating people in the world. Of all the kinds, types, groups of people I have ever met that are most intimidating, by far the group that is the most intimidating. I mean, staring straight into your soul. Uh, you know, when Jesus uh, said, uh, don't fear those who can just destroy the body, but fear those who can, fear the one who can destroy both the body and the soul. I am 90% sure, there's a 10% chance I'm wrong, I am wrong about this, it's a joke, uh, that that group of people Jesus was talking about was 14-year-old uh, girls. That is the group that you laugh because it's right, right? Like, if you have ever been one, uh, or you've ever been around one, or you've ever had one, you know uh, they have a way of, of making you feel um, how uh, chuggy, is that the word? Uh, yeah, that is. Yeah, I learned that at camp from that group. And so in that, uh, in that, in that there's, there's, they just have this way of, like I, I wore a jacket today because I knew I was going to share this, not because I necessarily wear a jacket every week to church. In fact, I, I don't, uh, but because in telling the story, I sweat. When I was 
12 years old, uh, I did what many of you have done. Maybe you won't confess to it today, but you have done this before. Uh, I went to a movie at the movie theater and then stayed for another one, right? You're already in the theater. It's not right. I'm telling you I did it. I'm not telling you to do it, okay? So uh, we were sticking around, me and my buddies, at 12 years old, and uh, there was this group of, of girls, and we were like, you go talk to them. No, you go talk to them. No, you. And like, you know, I'm a man, you know, and we weren't. And so finally I was like, fine, I'll go talk to them. And so we go up to talk to them. And, uh, you know, I said hi. And they're like, hi, my name's so-and-so. And I'm 13 and I'm so-and-so and I'm 14. And I just, I mean, I froze, right? I could feel they were picking apart my soul. I mean, I just, I didn't know what to do in that moment. And so I'm not, I'm, I'm already sweating. If you're a psychi- psychiatrist or psychologist, can you help me know what this is? after the service, because I'm like, oh my gosh, uh, I, I, they said that, and I froze, and what I did was I went groovy, <laughs> that's what, <laughs> who says that, you know, like, why in the world would anyone do that, I did, somewhere in the recesses of my mind, I had learned, and then applied it, and made up in the moment that this is how you should relate somehow, I don't know. And in that moment, I I was so frozen by making it up. I looked like such a fool. The very next thing I did, I'm not even kidding. We looked at each other, uh, me and my friends, and then we just took off running and hid until the movie we were there to see started. And like every time we go around a corner, it was so embarrassing to look like a fool, to make up how to relate specifically to that group. If you are a 14-year-old girl, I apologize to you. If you're going into middle school, it's awesome, okay? So just, you have that coming. It's fun, uh, and boys are not any better. They're just, have fun. All right, so that being said, we get in a lot of trouble when we, when we make up how we're supposed to relate in certain situations. The Christian life isn't that. We don't have to make this up. Did you know that? Like we, one of the reasons God gave us Scripture is so that we could know what God wants of our lives as Christians. We don't have to make up what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. Now, I say this today to you if you're not a follower of Christ or if you are in here and your life does not look like Christ and you're not acting like Christ, that there are many around in our culture, just like in James's day. James is the half-brother of Jesus writing this book in the Bible. Just like in his day, as is in our day, there are many who claim the name of God, who claim to be Christians, yet look nothing like what his word says. Act nothing like who Christ is, that their professing is in them. And look, uh, and, uh, and the things of God from his word, instead of receiving them and welcoming them, they excuse their way around them and deny them instead. It's a dangerous time to be in, just like it was then. 
We don't live in darker days than were back then. The days that we look forward to as followers of Jesus is not some moment two years from now when people we like better than those that we don't like or making decisions that we will or won't agree with. The thing we look forward to isn't the time of next season of life when we go from middle school to high school or high school to college or college to whatever it is that we do if we don't do college. I didn't do college. That's not the point. That's not what we're looking forward to from single to marriage. That's not the the thing that we're finally looking to to fulfill our hope. We're looking to the day when Jesus comes back. This is what he said. If Jesus is coming back and if there is a judgment, a time where we will stand before him, And if we are going to, uh, if he is telling the truth, and if he's telling the truth that there's no way to God except through him, and if he's telling the truth that truly believing and following him doesn't just mean like saying I'm a Christian, but actually following Christ, if that is true, then our hope isn't in anything in this world, it's in the the hope of what he said, that his kingdom is not of this world. We look forward to the day when all things are made new, when every tribe, tongue, and nation see Jesus as king. That's what he said would happen. And if he is telling the truth, then we have great hope in that day, not in this one. But in this one, he's given us his word to help us know what it looks like to be like Christ and to act like Christ. And we are to welcome his word. If you're in here and you're a follower of Christ, you need to know that so far in the book of James, this may come as a shock to you, but chapter 1 verse 19 comes right after chapter 1 verse 18. And in, chapters one, in chapter 1, verses 1 through, well, and 1 is an introduction, James, brother of Jesus, all that. And then chapter 2, or in verse 2 of chapter 1, uh, James begins to describe uh, what are these evidences, these characteristics, these things that a follower of Jesus should have. There were false teachings then in the name of God, as there are false teachings now in the name of God. And maybe you can relate to this one. Uh, People were telling people in James's day uh, that if you follow God right, uh, you won't endure trials. There are whole movements that uh, if we just follow God rightly and get enough people to do it, then we won't endure trials anymore simply not found anywhere in Scripture, but also specifically, James says, you will endure trials. Like, remember when Jesus said, um, if you follow me, you will be persecuted? <laughs> like, he's telling the truth? That those who follow Jesus will endure trials of various kinds. You're going to be different as a follower of Jesus. If you follow him rightly, you're going to be treated wrongly. This is, this is what it means to be a follower of Christ. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you got to know at the end when I say, hey, do you want to follow Jesus? I'm asking also, or would you be willing to face trials because you follow Jesus and not a different way? That's part of following Jesus. And so he does that in verses 2 through 11. And then in verses about 12 through 18, he says, here's the second characteristic, the second evidence of someone who follows Jesus. 
is that they face temptation. If you are in here and uh, you would identify yourself as seasoned, um, aged, uh, older, uh, having wisdom, uh, then maybe answer out loud. We know that Christians endure trials. I'm the minister of missions and multiplication. We don't work in any nations where Christians don't endure trials of various kinds. Uh, Not only do they endure trials, but I need your help, those who have wisdom. Do Christians face temptation? Answer on the count of three. One, two, three. Yes. Yes, we do. If you're not a follower of Jesus, what we're not asking is, do you not want to go through trials and never uh, face temptation uh, being perfect the rest of your life? That's, That's antithetical to what it means to be a follower of Jesus, believing the gospel in this life. If you're in here today and you're facing trials, this isn't the sermon, this is just for free, I want you to know that you may be exactly where God is calling you. If you're fighting the battle of temptation, I want you to know you may be exactly where God is calling you, but God's word tells us what to do with those. Today, we're going to look at this third thing that James begins to get into. Followers of Jesus don't just face trials and also face temptation. Followers of Christ welcome his word. Like we, we actually, as followers of Jesus, we actually receive, welcome, uh, appreciate, take in, take hold of God's word in his truth as we learn and hear it spoken, preached, taught, and we don't look for some kind of uh, 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 bypass to get around it. That's not of God. And in fact, look at James chapter 1, verse 19, and you'll see how followers of Christ welcome his word, where we're getting this from. James, James chapter 1, verse 19 says this, Know this, my beloved. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive, okay, there's the word, the word receive is the word, this is the command, the word receive is welcome, like uh, when you go to somebody's house and you're received into their home, that's what this is, like welcomed, we would, that's what we would say, hospital, received, and those who receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. All throughout Jesus' life on earth, and indeed Christ, who is God, existing forever, before in the Old Testament, there are two testimonies of those who follow God, those who follow Christ. You might remember that Jesus said, By this, the world will know that you are my disciples, John 13, 35, that you love one another. That's something the world would look at and say, okay, they follow Jesus because they love one another. Jesus gives no exceptions to people who differ on some theological nuances than you. 
There's no reason to not love someone because you might have a little disagreement. There's no reason to not love someone in this church because uh, you just, you know, don't like them for whatever reason. We are known as followers of Jesus because we love. But the second thing Jesus said over and over and over again He said, if you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. Over and over and over again, Jesus has affirmed what he as God and God himself has said all throughout scripture. We are known as following Christ because we love God We love others, and we live the mission according to his word. Does that sound familiar to anybody in this church? It's literally written over walls and on on our website. That's like, that's who we are as this church. This is what we are known for. And while it is clear in scripture, living it is not so easy. One of the major challenges of our day, and I am well aware I'm saying this as we go into election season. One of the major challenges of our day is for followers of Christ to hear so many different views for those who claim the name of Christ in his name, doing atrocious and terrible things and looking over it or receiving it as Christian because we like their view of what they have. There's something wrong with that. Not because Tim Whitney says that, not because I say that. Look at how verses 19 through 21 describes that kind of idea. Look at what James writes in verse 21. I want you to see this contrast here. He says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. When we think filthiness and rampant wickedness, automatically sometimes our minds go to the sins we're most uncomfortable with in other people's lives or in culture. You know, that'll preach. If you want to get a bunch of amens as a pastor, all you have to do is pick the thing that everyone's angry about and preach at it. And you'll get some amens all right. But this text, look at what verse 19 through 21 does. Look at what it does. What's What is wicked and filthy? Wickedness is a word that means like um, um, good for nothingness. What's good for nothing and filthy are those who do not receive the implanted word. And look at how it begins. Those who are not quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Those who... I mean, living in this culture where we have to have a quick word and rage against everything and everyone that differs from us even a little bit, this text speaks to us. Those kinds of things, being angry, does nothing. And the Bible describes, that's the context, not somebody else's sin. 
our ability as followers of Christ uh, to not listen and to be fast to have an opinion and to be quick to be angry. Those things God describes as worthless and good for nothing. Somehow, you guys, somehow it became acceptable for people who named Jesus to be really angry at everyone about everything. Somehow it it became really acceptable to just destroy people with our words. And to do that somehow in the name of Christ. Now, I, I, know, I know that this is hitting close to home because I've done this. You've done this. And we look at this and we know there's a better way as a follower of Jesus. But the worst part of all this is it can be couched in terms of helping defend and promote righteousness helping make those around us act in accordance with the standard of God's word. And while that's all good and well, do you see what the text says? The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That's not your story as a follower of Jesus. Your story as a follower of Jesus is not, God was super angry at me, so I want to avoid his punishment by following him. That's a pagan notion, you guys. That's like every other religion in the world. I better avoid punishment by God. He's going to be angry with me if I don't. No, no, no. The gospel is this instead. God demonstrates his love for you that while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. You were walking in darkness and in evil, and God, who is rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, when we were dead in our trespasses, this is Ephesians 2, he made us alive together with Christ. It's by grace you've been saved. And he raised us up to be seated at the right hand of God so that, not so that he could say, look at my trophy, I'm good, which he could. He is good. He is wonderful and magnificent, and we will stand before him. But he raises us up so that, Ephesians 2, just read it, he would be able to show the the surpassing grace and kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. Uh, Romans 2 puts it like this. He says, um, uh, 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 it was God's kindness that drew you to repentance. Your story... (laughs) Of following Jesus is a story of an internally kind, compassionate God who continues to seek and save the lost. And when he does that, he rejoices. That's your story. And that's why those that are wicked and good for nothing in the name of Jesus get angry at unrighteousness instead of compassionate in sharing the gospel.
Y'all, anger is much easier than affection. And when we say things like this, here's what happens, right? I, I know we're going a little hard here. This, this is Scripture. But here's what happens. Automatically, we, we start looking for outs of, of loving people. Like, we will see the Word of God. We'll see how Christ is. We'll see what He calls us to be. And automatically, we begin to say, man, I've tried that turn-the-other-cheek stuff. It's time to get at it. I've tried that loving stuff. Now it's time to be firm. I've tried being soft, but now I'm just going to yell. I've tried being compassionate. They're not getting it. I'm going to be angry. We fail to welcome the implanted word which saved our soul. Followers of Christ, when we hear and see God's word, we receive it as his word and welcome it as a true part of our life. Here's the second thing James 1, 19 through 27 teaches us. Not only do we receive, we welcome the word of God as followers of Jesus. But secondly, look, we look like Jesus. Look at verse 22. Scripture says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Do you see this same uh, this, uh, these two ideas still uh, going against each other, those who actually follow Jesus and those who are confused about it and are deceiving themselves. You're going to see this through this whole text. Do Be doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. Verse 24, you guys following along? Thanks, appreciate it. I'm here all day. Not, that's not true. <laughs> For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, that's another way of saying God's word, the law of liberty, God's word that sets us free and perseveres, you keep at it. Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. All of us looked at a mirror this morning. Now, some of us conveniently forgot what we saw, you know, or realized there were things there that maybe we didn't see before. But everybody at some point looked at a mirror this morning. We see this illustration that James uses to help us understand what it means to be a follower of Christ, and we get it pretty quickly. It would be odd at best for someone who just looked at a mirror to say, ah, I don't know what I look like. Now, this morning, I, I looked at a mirror. Uh, to, I have this thing where, like, my collar pops, and I never realize it when I put a coat on. And so I had to, you know, my wife wasn't here to be like, Tim, get over here, you know. And so I had to look at a mirror and see. And on the way this morning, actually, I forgot my wedding ring, you know. And so I, I called my wife, and I was like, I would like to be married today. I know that's not what makes you married, but it, 
I don't want to have to preach like this. And people say, what happened to Tim and Megan? You know, like, that would be, be awkward. Uh, or just let it happen and see, you know, go for it. And uh, so, uh, so she brought me a wedding ring, and uh, I am wearing that today, even though I looked in a mirror and apparently forgot. It happens. It happens. But it would be crazy to look in a mirror, walk away, and say, I have no idea anything I'm suppo- that I look like. We would know there's something off. We would know that maybe their seeing isn't right or their understanding isn't right. We, we would see that. This is true. What James is helping us see is that it would be off. Odd at best. For someone who claims to follow Jesus to look in the mirror of what God has for them in Christ and then say, I don't know, that's not for me. Like, no, that's odd as a follower of Jesus. If Jesus is telling the truth that there is a day when he will sit on the throne and say, give an account for your life and open the book, here's what I have recorded. And in that day, with a booming voice in the glory of his light, as he, is, as, he, as he is there between you and him, with nothing but you and him and what you have to give an account for for your life, when he opens that book, there are two options. He'll either say, you look like me, or depart from me. You guys remember the story of how uh, uh, Jesus said there will be many in that day who come before me and say, like, we prophesied in your name. We talked about your word with people. We, we did miracles in your name. We served people. We cast out demons in your name. We helped the afflicted in every way. And he's going to say, yeah, but I don't know you. Like, you and me aren't the same. Depart from me. There is a way of naming Christ and not following him that Jesus warns of, that James warns of, of those who would say, oh, that's what Christ wants me to do? No, thank you. I don't receive that. I'm going to do this instead. But what we do instead as followers of Jesus, if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is a standard to know. Does this person who's claiming Jesus actually follow Jesus or are they not? I, there's a difference. There's a difference. I, I spent a lot of time with unbelievers, and a lot of that time is saying, like, I know someone did that and said that, and they said they followed Jesus. I, it's not anywhere in the Bible. They're making that up. You know what I mean? Like, you've been there before, too. That part of following Jesus is to, to look at this thing and say, like, this is what he has said we ought to look like, and now also we look like this. We don't cast off the downtrodden. We receive them. Jesus did that every single time. We don't poke fun at the sinners. We help serve them. Jesus did that every single time. We are not impatient and rude with those who are not like us, but rather we are vessels of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self Control. Do you not remember what Christ himself said of those who had just crucified him as he looked to God in heaven? He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
This is how we are to look as followers of Jesus. You might be in here today and you're like, I, I don't know what that means like practically for me. Maybe you're in here and you're, uh, you're a teenager and you're like, okay, but like, how do I follow Jesus? Like, what does that look like in my life? Y'all get with someone who knows what it looks like to follow Jesus and let them say, here, let me show you what this looks like to be Jesus in your school. Maybe you're a young mom and you're like, these kids are having crazy and I can't sleep and I'm showered in three days. And like, I'm not, which I've never been a young mom, but like I've, I've been there with young kids. Like you, and you're like, what does it look like to follow Jesus in the season? Find someone who looks like Jesus and say, help me understand what it looks like to follow Jesus. So maybe you're, you're trying to figure out what to do in your retirement years until you see Jesus face to face and you don't want to waste it. Find someone who looks like Jesus in their retirement years and say, can you show me what to do with this? And let them open God's word and say, look, this is what it looks like to reflect him in this. You guys, there's a way to stand before the Lord and say, I look like you. I look like a 33-year-old Galilean man with a, a Jewish man with a Galilean accent that hung on a cross, but like also me, okay, there's, we can talk about that another day, right? But like also I look like you and him say, yes, you look like me. That's exactly what it means to be a follower of Jesus. There's a way for that for every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every culture, every time, everywhere, at every job. God has given us the way as we welcome his word of how to look like him. Followers of Christ look like Christ. And last but not least, look at where the text goes. Continuing in verse 26, James writes, if anyone thinks he is religious, uh, actions dedicated to God, and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart. This person's religious is worthless. Before we go into this next one, watch what happens here, okay? We have, at the beginning, Jesus, or, uh, James wrote, God's word says, here's a way of following Christ we're trying to avoid. Do you remember back in verse 21? That is filthy and wicked. Now we end with this idea. There's a way of following Christ, verse 21, that is pure and undefiled. Undefiled, useful. Pure, well, it means pure. <laughs> Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. When we see the word and see the Christ of that word lived out from Genesis 1-1 all the way through the end of Revelation, we see a God who continues to receive the outcast, the immigrant, the oppressed, the sinner, the betrayers, the murderers, the adulterers, the sick, the hopeless, 
the wicked, the needy, all come to him, and he loves them. So what do we do in acting like this? That's the third thing. Followers of Christ act like Christ. If Christ spoke truth and he's alive in you, conforming you into his image, you you ought to act more like him tomorrow than today, more like him five years from now than right now. And when the day comes that you see him face to face, you'll see his actions and go, oh yeah, that's what I was doing. (laughs) So what do we now do with this? Well, the band's going to come out and play a final song. And there's really two applications here for two groups of people. There's more, but, you know. The first is if you're not a follower of Christ. Today, if you would say, God is tugging on me in a way that's different than before. That I, I, I want to follow him. I would ask you, would you follow Christ? I'm not asking, would you be like Tim Whitney? I'm not asking, would you look like those who have named the name of Christ and are very different than what the Bible describes as a Christian? I'm not even asking you to be exactly like the good ones out there that you would identify. I'm asking, would you follow Jesus to be like him? Now, there's a problem that you'll immediately come across. Jesus is holy, and I'm not. What do we do with this? This is the good news of the gospel. That you, who are his enemy, or in sin, or walking in darkness, that you who are not a follower of Jesus, when you see your need every single time, every single time, unanimously through Scripture, Jesus says, come to me. You don't have to get your life, life right before you come to God. It's not even how it works. You couldn't get it right or enough, and it would just be wronger all the time you were trying. Right now, if you confess your sin, you receive sinners. That's really good news. I, I have a, I'm, I'm with people who don't come to church all the time. I, I don't always work here. I, I, I work in Fire EMS as well. And the thing I say over and over is, look, come learn about Jesus. Come to church with me. This is what the gospel is. I mean, it, trust me, if he'll receive me and the church doesn't burn down when I walk in, he'll receive you too, you know? And it's true. This is what he does. So if you're not a follower of Jesus today, would you say something like, God, I, I, I'm a sinner. Would you forgive me? And I want to follow you. 
And after this, there's going to be some people at the Next Step Center. It's in the middle of the lobby, it says Next Steps. And uh, there's some tables there. They'd love to talk with you more about what that looks like. So that's the first group. Uh, the second group are those that are followers of Jesus. And you would say, man, I've been making excuses about how God has called me to serve and love and be a light in the darkness of this world. It is way easier to complain than to have compassion. Maybe you'd say, I, I, I have not been looking like Jesus. In fact, I've been looking more like everything else. Or maybe you'd say, man, I've not been acting like Jesus. You guys, I have some fantastic news for you. Uh, if you, uh, in the book of Hebrews, there's uh, the, the hall of faith. It's, it, it's Hebrews chapter 11. It's called that because uh, the writer of Hebrews is going through like person after person in the Old Testament that, uh, that and commends them for their faith. And if you go back and read their story and how it happened, you're like, I don't know if this guy is like an, exam- an exemplary, faithful person. <laughs> He starts out with, uh, with Abraham. Actually, he starts out with Cain, who was faithful. Anyways. Oh, no, Abel, not Cain. Cain killed Abel. But, you know, there's, there's some grace in there. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I was like, let me do my Bible facts here. You, you read Abraham's story, and you're like, dude, this guy was a scoundrel. I mean, like, he's like pawning off his wife to kings so he doesn't get killed, like, to be in their harem. And, uh, you know, trying to make his own heir by some... Like, he would not be a member in good standing of this church. Let's just say that, okay? Yeah, he's commended for his faith. Hey, just read it. I, we could go through, and you see, like, like you read the Old Testament, and you're like, you've got to be kidding me, God. These guys made it? Are you kidding me? Like, it's us hope. Like, we... Yes, he can help your story become his story as you walk. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're like, I don't look like him, but I want to. I don't act like him, but I want to. Your story isn't over. If you've been a scoundrel for decades, Abraham was like, older. <laughs> whenever, he, uh, whenever he finally started following Jesus or following God in Old Testament. Okay, so he was older. You, your story isn't done yet if you're here alive and breathing. Right now is the time if you're a follower of Jesus to say, I, I no longer want to be someone who, who looks for the, the exit card or the exit ramp. Whatever your word tells me to be something that I don't want to be. I no longer want to look for a pathway out of looking like Christ to those around me. It's going to feel really weird and awkward at first uh, because sometimes it is, but that's what God calls us to be, awkward for Jesus. A lot of you have that down already. Like, like we, we, we can do that. So you don't have to be the one who doesn't act like Jesus anymore. God, by his Spirit can help conform you more into the image of his son. The work that he's done in you isn't done yet because you're still here and able to serve and love and honor him. 
So today, if you're a follower of Jesus, maybe you just need to spend some time being honest, not, not like general, like, God, help me follow you better, but like honest specifically. God, help me, help me know what it looks like to follow you in school this year. Help me know what it looks like to follow you in my retirement this year. Help me know what it looks like to be a good husband, a godly husband this year, a godly wife, a godly dad, a godly kid. I'm sure I missed some category of something, but you get the point. This is why we have life groups, guys. Did you know? I mean, like, if there's anything, um, if you ever see, like, a group of people passing kids around, that's my life group. We just kind of all parent, whichever kids you're closest to are yours to parent in that moment, you know? So, like, that's what we do. And, man, I I cannot tell you how many times I have had to figure out Okay, so what does it look like to follow Jesus in this? You're doing that. Can you help me learn? That's, that's why we have life groups and discipleship. If you want a good marriage, be around people who are trying to figure out what it looks like to be good at being married. You find that in a life group. If you want to be, uh, uh, if you want to uh, uh, leverage your singleness for the glory of God, you get with others who try to figure out what does this look like? What does it look like to look like Jesus in this? Here's the application for those who are followers of Christ. Figure out in this moment, asking God to help you see Man, where am I not receiving your word, welcoming it? Uh, Where am I not looking like Christ or acting like Christ? And here's the action point. You have to do something with this. Now, God, help me see what I need to do to learn, to reflect you, to look like you in that area. And if you don't know what that looks like, the pastors are here to help you figure that out. Next Steps is here to help you figure it out. Y'all, walk out of here more in love with Jesus with steps on how to look more like him than when you walked in this morning. So that being said, let's pray. Let's sing one last song. And then let's go look like Jesus in our community. Father, we thank you for being so good to us. I pray that today you would give us wisdom to know how to respond appropriately to you. God, I pray that by your spirit, you would allow us to have the courage and conviction to react as you call us to look like Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would help every person to either start following Christ or to walk out of here more like him and more in love with him than when they came in. It's in his name we pray, amen.